with Montana head soccer coach Chris Chitovitsky, a guy that I've wanted to get in here for a long time because the Grizz are off to a great start. Chris, uh, in the non-conference, you guys are... Three and four right now. With Long Beach would make us 500 for the first time in a really long time in a non-conference late, especially concerning the teams we've been playing against. Gotcha, exactly, because this non-conference for you is just sort of a measuring stick and a, a chance to improve. Exactly. Yes, and we played Creighton, who's one of, going to be one of the top teams in the Big East because they're very good this year. Cal Poly has been outstanding. Um, everybody that we've been up against has been very good, and so the measuring stick has just been great. So a little background for you this year, third year now at, at Montana. Uh, coming over, a little bit of an interesting background because you came over from Poland, uh, been coaching in the States for a while. Yeah. Um, but just you know, tell me a little bit more about your background and, and getting to Montana and, and how you're here now. Oh, it's a long story. Um, <laughs> depends how much time we have. Starts off in Poland. My family flees Poland because of the political situation at the time. We moved to Italy where we live in a refugee camp for a year. Moved to South Africa for five years. We want to immigrate to Canada, but the Canadian consulate is closed over lunch, so we end up immigrating to Australia because <laughs> the Australians were open over lunch. So that's a funny story about how we ended up in Australia. Lived there for about 11 years of my life. Um, and then when I was done with high school, wanted to continue playing professionally. But that didn't work out, which opened the doors to playing in college. Why not get an education paid for? That leads to me ending up in the US, lived in Pennsylvania, started coaching in Pennsylvania, ended up in Minnesota, North Dakota, now here in Montana. It's a funny story because I know a lot of like European expats who came over and did that and came over, they wanted to play in college and they ended up just going into the coaching track after that, like the, the head coach at Idaho State, yeah. Debs Brereton did that and she came over from England, yeah. played in college and just ended up staying over here and, and, and coaching. So it's it's kind of a common thing, but how did you find the, the transition just into to college soccer? Yeah, um, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was so different because the clock is counting down the rules are kind of funny it's not really fifa rules it's ncaa rules but it is soccer but is it soccer i didn't know i mean it's it, it took me a while to really get into the collegiate game and how it was formatted and how it was played and all the rules but now i just love it to bits so yeah it took a little bit of getting used to Montana head soccer coach Chris Chitovitsky. Uh The Grizz are coming off a super successful spring season yes. uh, in 2021, winning the conference regular season, conference tournament championship, yes. going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, just describe for me, you know, the place that the program is in right now. You're this year, third season in or fourth season fourth in? Season now. Yeah, yeah fourth season in. But you guys have had success already and now looking to build on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's been crazy because I can look at 2018 and we, we had finished fifth in the league, so we squeak into playoffs, but then go on this terror through playoffs to, to win the whole thing, go to the NCAA tournament. And ever since then, it's just been building and building and building. Um, the biggest thing that as coaches we got to focus on is not getting immediate success, but what does long-term success look like? So the success that we had in 2018 has led to the recruits that we're having right now, which is leading to... A, what the success is going to be like in five to ten years time so it's just been amazing building this thing into what i want it to be because i never just want to be able to win one year because then i feel like crap if i don't win the next year i want to win every single year and so there's that fun pressure on me and my coaching staff and now the players of nobody wants to be part of that class that doesn't bring home a trophy for once so it's a pretty cool spot to be in yeah, and there's the pressure of keeping it at the same level, but also I, I assume there's there's a next step for you guys. I mean, you guys went to South Carolina in the NCAA tournament, gave them a really good game and lost one nothing, I think, 
is that the next step that you're looking now? Like, how do we compete on a national level? How do we, you know, maybe win a game in the NCAA yeah, tournament? No, that's exactly it. I mean, you just pretty much did my recruiting speech. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, that's exactly what it is. It's we, we have our conference goals. We have our mid-major goals, which is how do we compete with the WCC in the Mountain West to beat Boise State, who was picked third in the Mountain West, who's coming off of being one of the best teams historically there. It's a huge result for us, that measuring stick that just happened. And it wasn't a fluke win. It was a deserved win against Boise State. And so we measure ourselves there against programs like that and Gonzaga and everybody else. And then if you do well against those teams, then you have a chance to win in the opening round. That's it. So the Grizz and, and Coach Chitavisky are coming off a great weekend, beat Texas Southern 6 nothing at South Campus Stadium, and then beat Boise State one nothing on Sunday. Uh, South Campus Stadium goal by Delaney Lou Shore. Walk me through that game because, like you said, that's a that's a measuring stick of a game. What were you guys doing well against against Boise State there, and and sort of how does it feel to get a win like that in front of the home yeah. fans? Yeah, um, it's the same things we've been doing well in all the other games. But I sat there before the game and I said, we're not looking at this as ninety minutes. For forty five minutes, this is what I need, and then we're going to regroup and we're going to have the conversation again. And we're in the same spot we've always been after forty five minutes against all these good teams. It's zero zero. Said so we've never closed somebody out. Your theme as a team, you're telling me, is why not? Why not has to stop being words. Why not us? Why can't we win? Why not has to become actions? And you're going out for these final 45 minutes, and we're going to find a way to win this game because I'm sick and tired of losing these ones. And they are too. They're getting frustrated with it. So you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, neither do you, but we're jumping off the cliff, we're flapping our wings, and I hope to God that we fly because it's about time that we did it. It's about time that we got a result like this. And they just crushed it in the second half. So, loved them. That's awesome stuff. I mean, you guys got the goal sort of off a, a scrappy play yeah. in front of net, but you guys were, were playing really well in that second half. I mean, what were you, what were you doing well tactically and, and sort of in the game? Oh, just everything. Um, it's, it, it's another commitment to the way that we want to play. And that is, I think, what screwed us over with Gonzaga losing that game 3-0 is we tried to adjust ourselves to play to stop Gonzaga rather than playing as ourselves. Um, and that bit us in the butt to lose 3-0. And the commitment was, you know what, this is how we want to play, then let's do it. Let's just go out, and I don't care if it's Boise, I don't care if it's South Carolina, this is how we play soccer, this is what we do, and let's see how it holds up against the good teams. So we pressed extremely well, we attacked very well, we kept the ball under pressure, we're playing to our strengths as a team, which is we've recruited very technical players. And you have to build their confidence to keep the ball under pressure and then play the correct through balls at the right times. So. Very, very happy with them. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing that I wanted to pick your brain about is just how you set up the team against different levels of opposition. I mean, because mm -hmm. it's such a big thing, even at the higher levels of the game, right? When yeah. when Brighton is playing Man City or something yeah. or anybody yeah. in the Bundesliga is playing Bayern. And it's yes. like, do you set up differently? Do you try to play more defensively? Do you park yeah. the bus? And I've, you know, I've never been a coach. So like, how do you, how do you handle that? Because you are playing such differing levels of competition, especially yes. here in the non-conference. <laughs> yeah, especially in the non-conference. He nailed it. Um, it, it. It really depends, again, on who we're playing. And let's say we're playing in a four back or we're playing in a three back. So let's say we're in a three back. Do you want to keep your wingers extremely high, your wing backs? Or are you going to keep them back a little bit to be more conservative? So rather than changing the formation and saying, let's go from a three back into a four back, because that's going to protect us more. It's just we're going to be more conservative with the positions of our attacking players. And we'll set this line of confrontation of do we want to press extremely high? Do we want to press it halfway? Or do we want to sit on top of the box? And so the formation will stay the same, but where we confront will change. That'll be either higher or lower. 
Um, and with Boise, we just said, you know what, we're just going all out. We're just, we're, let's just swing. And they're going to swing, and we'll see who lands the first punch and wins the game. And that's the way, I mean, that's the way you want to be. I mean, you guys, you press high, and you do want to push the wing backs high out of the, the three-back formation, right? I mean, that's the Correct. the biggest thing. I mean, the Texas Southern game yeah. that I watched, and you guys went and scored six goals, so maybe that's like the purest distillation of what you want to do, especially attacking. Exactly. You know, Taylor Hansen and Ava Samuelson are they're the creative hubs when you get into the attacking third. They're yeah. they're they're the threats because they're getting forward for cutbacks and crosses and everything. There is one goal where is Ava Samuelson crossing it over to Taylor Hansen, yeah, fullback right? to fullback, yeah, right? Isn't like that crazy. Who yeah. plays that way? <laughs> yeah. That that's what you want to do. That's exactly it. That's how I would like to play the whole time. To be that dominant that it allows you to send both of them up there. And now it's not let's cross the ball to one forward and maybe a winger. You have four people. One of, one of the goals every game is overload the box. Overload the box. We have to have more attackers than they have defenders. And it's risky because if it breaks down, the counter is happening. Right. But you're hoping it doesn't break down because you have so many people in the box. How do, how do you come to that, that formation and that sort of that tactical setup? Is that something that you have wanted to play or you just looked at the players you had on your team and you built it around them? Yeah, you nailed it. It's we, 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 you build it around the players that you have. We were going to go to it last year. But we didn't have the depth in the wingback position, so we, we canned it because we only had two wingbacks, and you can't do that the whole time. You need at least three to be able to rotate through. So Ava, uh, Tay, Mackenzie Kilpatrick, Maddie Seelhoff if we need her, Kendall Faro if we need her. We have five now, which is nice. But we usually rotate through three. But, yeah, you've got to pick the right players, and then you need to, they need to be able to do certain things well. Taylor Hansen has gone through three years working with me on crossing the ball. Ava Samuelson was specifically recruited the first time I watched it because she knows how to cross the ball. I don't want a wing back that's getting up the field, miss hitting a cross, and here comes the counter. Right? They got to put the ball in the right spot so we have opportunities if we're overloading the box. So Tay, every week, in addition to full practice, works with me one to two times a week on just crossing because we're not going to miss hits the crosses. We can't do it. Yeah, talk to me a little bit more about those two players because, like I said, in the few minutes that I watched, Taylor Hansen looks like the best player in the conference. Like, there's nothing she can't do. And you ask them to do so much because they're covering the yes. entire they're, – they're, they're back and forth up the entire flank, which is sort of like that's the modern fullback's job now. Yes. Somebody like Alfonso Davies at Bayern, that's the yes. point. That's their Kyle yeah. Walker because they're so fast they can get back and forth. But with, with Hansen and Samuelson – you're asking them to get all the way to the byline, but you're also asking them to be on the ball, create, bring the ball back inside. Like they have to be really technical as well yes. when they get up to that attacking yeah, third. Yeah, exactly. How do you recruit players like that? How do you how do you how do you train them? And yeah. just how good have they been so far? First and foremost, you got to recruit them, right? And you at the college level, you really want them to come in with that skill set. And how can I just polish it up and teach them to do things in certain moments for me? Ava's just got this natural ability of if you watch her play, she likes to cut inside on the dribble so often, um, and then she likes to create out of there. She she still has a little areas to evolve with her combination play out of that because when she comes in, she could play into a nine and get it back on the other side and then burn through people again. But it's, yeah, just, I love working. If you recruit them, then I just love working with them because every time you go out for a session, they get a little bit better. And then they're so smart because they apply it instantly at the game. Like Tay is literally not just one of the best players in the conference. She's one of the best players in the region. If you look at her instat, which is what we use for um, statistical tracking and all that stuff, her instat scores are borderline professional player scores. This kid will be playing pro. 
And that's like physical stuff? No, that's just all her, we're looking at her crosses, her price, her, her price completion percentage, her tackle completion percentage, her successful dribbles versus unsuccessful dribbles, the amount of times that she heads the ball, how many assists she's getting, how many shots she's getting. That's all stuff that these pro teams are looking at now versus just, oh, Taylor started seven games, played seven games, scored two goals. Yeah. It's all broken down by Instat, this one company. And so we send that on with her resume. And I sat with Tay and I said, you could be a pro player, but right now all you do is you defend very well and you sometimes get an assist and a goal. How about we play in a 3-5-2 and I make you better at crossing? Now look how much better you're gonna be. Anybody's gonna want you at that point, Tay. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. So Taylor Hansen came in. She was here before you got here. Yes. But did she come in as a as a fullback or did she move around a little yeah, bit? Yeah, she was playing as a fullback. Yep. Gotcha. Talking here with Coach Chris Chitovitsky of, of Grizzly Soccer. The Grizz off to a great start to the season, playing well in the non-conference, defending Big Sky Conference champions. Big year for you guys because you lost a lot from yeah. last year. And this has been the narrative point that everybody has been touching on, right? You've yeah. been in, in every media session, it's been asked, you know, how do you replace Alexa Coyle? Yes. Um, Claire or Howard. <laughs> Claire Howard, of course, the, yeah. the greatest goalie in Big Sky Conference history. Yeah. What was, what was sort of your thought process when you were seeing this wall coming up or this, this wave of, of players dropping yeah. off, you knew you were going to lose them. What was yeah. your thought process on, on preparing for that? I hope I'm recruiting well. Right. <laughs> Otherwise I lose my job. So no, I was like, you got to recruit well. Because if you recruit well, then there's not a drop off. And we've been talking about it for years of Lex is not going to be here forever. Claire's not going to be here forever. Can you build that machine behind the scenes that doesn't matter. If you want to disrespect us, pick us lower, that's fine by me doesn't matter who graduates because that next head's just coming right through and this is such a big thing for coaches especially coaches taking a new job it's sort of like that first big litmus test is can you win with your own players exactly. so walk me through your recruiting philosophy what you're looking for where you're going to look for these these players and sort of just how you do that whole side of the program wow we're gonna give away all the secrets all right well no, nothing no, that you okay. don't want to talk about no, but i think no. this stuff is super interesting so yeah it is no um i look at it from a budgetary standpoint first and foremost right of what can i recruit and so my budget isn't the same as a power five program's budget i know i can't get power five level players but i can get group of five level players because i have the facilities here and i can poach maybe low low hanging fruit power five players Right? So I can get that, I can get group of five, that's who I want to compare myself to. So what are the clubs that produce these types of players? So we have certain clubs, one out of California, one out of um, Seattle, one out of Canada, and a couple out of Colorado that I go to all the time. And that's my, I go to the camps, I know the coaches really well, I know the players really well. If I was to stop coaching college soccer, I would go work at one of those clubs, because they develop players the way that I want them developed. So now all of a sudden it's as if I'm working at those clubs and I have my own pipeline that comes into me. And so because of that, and as soon as you start looking at the recruiting classes, you'll clearly see the theme, be like, oh, it's that club, oh, it's that club, oh, it's that club, every single year, right? And then, of course, if there's somebody outside of it, a Montana kid, then we take them as well. But it's mainly going to those clubs and pulling in. They don't just develop them correctly as players, but also character-wise. We don't just do phone calls, we do Zoom calls with families. If I don't like the family-player interaction over the Zoom call, I stop recruiting the kid. And then that, that makes sure that the character is correct. It's the person that I want. Plus they're coming out of some of the best clubs in the country and best international clubs. 
and now it all just falls into place for me. And that gives you an idea of what to expect when they get here, because you know they're exactly. coming from the same place. You know how they've been developed, so it's easier exactly. to sort of institute your own development yes. when they get here. And they're very high-level players who are expected to win. They clubs sure. challenge for national titles every year. So how would you not want that in your environment? So it's easy for me to say, I need you. We've won four trophies in three years. I want to win again. Yeah, That's pressure that's on you. You need to help me get there. And the kid's like, all right, I've been doing this for years. That's fine. That's so interesting because the dichotomy in sort of American youth soccer, the big issue for so long has been development against winning, right? Yes. And it's been these clubs are these clubs don't develop players like they do in Europe or South America where the sure. entire focus is on development. And maybe that's simplistic a little bit, but this is yeah. the issue that you always hear about because they're focused on winning. Yes. And of course, making money. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you throw the most talented player at striker. Yes. Or, or even just the most physically developed player at striker, right? Go. When they're 10 years yeah. old. Yep. Um, so just what's your take on that? Is that starting to switch to where we're starting to see more European style development here and, and just yes. more focus on the technical side of it? And, and how, how does that play out when you're recruiting? Yeah, I think we're doing a pretty good job as a country of seeing the two where you're getting the development younger. What I appreciated playing in Australia was you played for a certain club and you would go watch the U18s play every single weekend because that's where you wanted to get to. So even if, if I was under 10, under 12, under 14, under 16, I wanted to play for the 18s at some point. Sure. And so it was always a build-up, and everybody was always, you train on the pitch furthest away, then you're a little bit closer, then you're a little bit closer. Now you're on the first team. Good for you, right? That's pretty cool. I wish we had something a bit more like that now. I still feel like every age group is a separate entity within a club, and there's no, oh, I can't wait to play for the 18s and represent this club and try to win a national title at the U18 level. And everybody else can develop. You don't need to win a title when you're nine years old. Who cares? And honestly, I don't even care when I go out recruiting. If somebody's team loses 5-0, but that kid crushes it and works really hard, I still want her in my program. I don't care that you lost 5-0. I'm honestly not there to pay attention to the scores. It helps that you're on a team that wins a lot because you're used to the pressure of winning and what comes with it. But at some point you're going to lose, and I can't wait to see your reaction when you lose. What's your take on, you know, you, you say you got these clubs in, in California, Seattle, Colorado. What's your take on just the, the soccer culture around here, the, the quality of high school player that's coming yeah. out of here? I mean, Quinn Peacock's a player I really like who Scott you got Thompson. from right, yeah. right here in Missoula. <laughs> yep. What's your take on that? It's good, um, depending on who's coming in, right? Ross has done an incredible job with strikers. Um, if you go out to Billings, what Steven has done with the age groups, which he has worked with, he's really spread soccer knowledge into it, which has developed certain types of players. Um, but it's hit and miss, right? It's who's leading the club, who's leading that age group. And so you get this vintage year of a wine of like, this age group at U16 is phenomenal at Billings, and we're gonna try to push those kids. But strikers, at least every year, I know what I'm getting, because Ross's philosophy is so hardcore here that you know what you're getting out of strikers, and every other year you're gonna get a kid. This is Soccer in Snow and Smoke, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. I'm Andrew Houghton, and on Soccer in Snow and Smoke, I'll bring you everything you need to know about the beautiful game, from the Montana Grizzlies and local high school programs to the Premier League. Listen to the Footy 15 segment twice a month on Nuanez Now, 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, and find the full show online on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky joining us on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. 
Chris, just to continue this, I mean, we're talking about the recruiting. I guess the next step when you bring these kids in is the development. And what's the, what's the first thing that you tell them when you bring them into your system? And what's the first thing that you, you have to see before you're comfortable putting them on the field? Yeah. First thing is fitness. <laughs> That's it. If you can't run, you can't play at this level. And you've said it before yourself. We, we like to press. We like to be, we want to be able to outrun our opponents if we can. And that goes back to 2018. We made it to the NCAA tournament. We played Washington State. We got run off the field. We got bullied. We just got destroyed. And that was that bus trip back. I was like, you know what? We can't, we need to be fitter. We have to be fitter. And that's the first thing that they find out. We even just had a parent player meeting and just another reminder for all our 22s of fitness is going to be the biggest thing when you come back next year. Has there been any kids who have been just completely shocked at the level of fitness that you yes. expect when they come in? And it's sort of like a rude awakening. Yes. Every year, there's, there's less and less every year because I'm doing a better job communicating it nowadays. Yeah. But that's it. Fitness, if you can't run, you're not going to play. They, they all understand that. And then at that point, how good are you with the ball? My expectation of freshmen is just nothing. It's just, can you just, can you swim in the deep end? I'm going to throw you in there. We'll see how you do. And either you'll learn to swim pretty quickly or you're going to thrash around a bit and then I have to develop you. But it's uh, no expectations of freshmen. Like Ava, I had to remind her because she was playing a lot. She was doing well. She's getting in her head when she's not doing well. And it's like, Ava, stop it. You just have to, you just, Ava's the type of player who just glides and flows. I love watching her dribble. I just, I just love watching you dribble. That's all I want to see every day. Just get on the ball and I don't care what else you do. Just dribble for me a couple times every game. Taylor Hansen, very different expectations. Sure. You've got to get into these spots and I need these types of crosses and I need points and I need assists. That's what you've got to do because I know you want to play pro. So let's go. Well, she's six years into it now exactly. at this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she can handle that. Ava, I mean, that's different. It's just, you just enjoy yourself, kid. Yep. What I think in, in every sport is that it's easiest to get on the field at a young age. Like as long as you can handle it athletically yes. and you're not three steps behind everybody, yes. like you're going to be a step behind people just because they have more experience than you. But as long as you can, you can keep up and you're fast and you're strong enough, it's just so much easier to get on the field. And against Texas Southern, I mean, you guys were just so much faster Yes. to every, I mean, every second ball every through ball behind the defense. I mean, it's yeah. just so, it makes you so much more dangerous yes. when you can do that. What's what's your take on just like having speed on the soccer field? Because if I was building a team, that's the number one thing that I would want. Yes. You want speed, athleticism, and understanding of like pure defensive shape. We talk about shape being sure. God. We, the first thing we teach is always defending, not just individual, but honestly, if your individual defending sucks, as long as there's cover in behind you, we're gonna be hard to break down. So no matter what, Grizzly soccer is always going to focus on defending first and not getting scored on. If you're not getting scored on, then if I recruit the right players, we'll score the goals, we'll win the games. But speed helps so much, right? And Tate's speed is phenomenal. Stoger's speed, Jaden's speed, Skyly's speed, Ava's speed. You just go through the roster and it's just getting quicker and quicker every year. Well, because it's it's the it's the push and pull. I mean, that speed puts so much pressure on the defense and you know on the defensive shape of the other team because they're always getting pulled out of position. Yes. I mean, if you have somebody who can get behind the back line, it's the single biggest threat you can have on the field, and that pulls everybody else out of position. Exactly. Yep. But now let's add technical speed as well and sure. speed of thought. Sydney Haustain, a player out of the middle, who her speed of thought is unbelievable. And her ability to position herself in spots and then move the ball on quickly is ridiculous. Our backline swings the ball quicker than they've ever done before. It's going one to two touches all previous years. We go touch, roll, play. Now everything has sped up. And it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I love watching some of the drills you have at practice. And I haven't gotten down there that much. But yeah. some of the drills that you guys are doing at practice where you're just 
passing it, passing it, passing it. Yes. Girl at the end takes a touch in the middle, yeah. dribbles it back down, and you start again. I I just yep. love that stuff because it 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 looks really clean. Yes, with the with the girls that you have. Yeah. I mean the the technical skill and you know sometimes soccer at this level can get really disjointed um, and sort of a scramble still and you're looking to clear it every time you, you get it at the back yes. um, with you guys you can see the stuff on the on the pitch that you guys want to be doing the patterns that you want and that's because there's net there's no misplaced passes yeah exactly <clears throat> that, that'll start in 2018 every year there's a theme for us behind the scenes a technical development theme that goes through the fall into the spring um, and 2018 was just no bobbles. I don't want you playing a ball that hits somebody in the shin or the kneecap. Yeah. We have to stop that. And it took a whole year and a half to implement that. And then the next phase comes in, next phase comes in. The, the next piece for us is going to be invasive versus evasive dribbling. Like, how are you taking space on the dribble? How are you escaping pressure on the dribble? Molly Quarry is fantastic at that out of Canada for us. And so, yeah, every year there's a theme because every year we have to be a little bit better to catch up to the next level. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's talk through uh, this team that you have a little bit because we've talked about some of the players. We we talked about the fullbacks a lot, but you guys had, like I said, question marks or at least players leaving at, at forward, of course, at goalkeeper in the midfield. Uh, walk me through, I mean, starting from the front, going to the back, just the, the players. So you you had to replace Alex Coyle at striker yes. this year. Who's scoring the goals for you? Huh. Everybody, which is great. Last year in the spring, it was the weirdest thing ever. It stopped being Alexa every time. Yeah. Avery Adams is all of a sudden scoring. Allie Larson scoring out of the back. Taylor Hansen scoring. And it's, for the first time ever, we became a team that could score goals and not we needed Alexa to score goals. Alexa's team, you know? So it was it was nice to see that flip in the spring because, uh, and, and honestly, courtesy of Alexa's movement and being able to play off of people better. So she really evolved and developed in that aspect, which is why she's been so successful now with Hibs as well. But now, if you're looking at the front, Taylor Stoger was already picking it up last year. Jaden Grace can get it done. Delaney Lou is now getting it done. Sky Thompson can. Josie Windauer can. I mean, we have seven forwards, and five of them have scored goals. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Delaney Short, Delaney Lou Short uh, was not a player that I knew before watching that Texas Southern game. She's yeah. just such a cool and unique player because yeah. she's so tall. Yes. Um, but she's really good on the ball in tight spaces. I mean, yeah. she can she can get the ball to top of the box and, and glide past people, yes. make the pass. I, I, she was the player where I was just looking and I was like, oh, I need to, you know, looked at, looked at her on the field, looked at the number, had to look her up immediately. Yeah. Where, where'd you get her out of? <laughs> uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Not ECNL, oh, nice. not DA, nothing like that. This is a kid that there's a there are ECNL events. They're, they're like massive events nationwide, and then there are like U.S. soccer regional events. And there's one that always happens in Boise, usually regionally. That sometimes I go to, sometimes I don't. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I used to be a D3 coach, and my AD told me if you're investing money in this trip, a hundred. 200, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks to go to it, you better be bringing people back. Yeah. So that's how I still measure things in my head now. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to this regional event, never gone to it before, I'm gonna spend over $1,000, and if I come back with two players, it's successful, I'll do it again. Came back with Dilu, came back with Riley O'Brien, who's still recovering from an ACL now, and she's gonna be phenomenal when she's back. But it's just saw her there, and it's a kid who, it's not the highest level of soccer, but her ability to finish in the box was amazing, and that's what nobody has seen yet. You're starting to see glimpses of it, but wait until junior year Delaney Lushaw and Ava Samuelson hang, hanging up across for her or Maddie Seelhoff, and Dealey will just be a freak in the air. She's like an Abby Wambach style where it's in the air, she's going to get her head on it. It drops in the box like against Boise State. She'll run through people to score. Exactly. And that's she's, what Dealey does well. She scored the winner against Boise State, so great story there. Yeah. Uh, 
moving back through the team, I mean, it's so important. We talked about, you know, you're pushing the wing backs up. That's yeah. the way you want to play. You got to have somebody protecting the, the defensive line yeah. still. So in, in central midfield, who is that? Yeah, central midfield's been bolstered immensely. Sammy Simons, who didn't play a lot, um, she's always been a off-the-bench player during her career, is now starting games, and Sammy's doing exceptionally well alongside Sid in our attacking mid-positions. Um, you got Bella O'Brien, who's subbing in off-the-bench, who's just phenomenal. Um, she's one to look out for for the future. She keeps getting these assists from corners because they're amazing. Quinn Peacock's another good one that can come in, but protecting the back line, we lost Avery Adams, who was all-conference, first-team all-conference, multiple-team all-region. She was an amazing player as a holding mid to protect us. And to lose her, that was a huge question mark for me. I was purely paranoid there. But Ali Monroe and Molly Massman are really stepping up into that. There have been games that Molly Massman's price completion percentage has been 100%, which is ridiculous. You priced 40 times and you didn't lose it for us once, and you won every ball out of the air? That's just insane. So Molly has stepped up into the role. Ali's a veteran who can get that done too. So we've gone from question mark to I feel pretty good about our midfield. It's probably might be our best unit. That's what's so important about that position. I mean, the holding midfield or defensive midfield or whatever you call mm-hmm. it in front of the, the defense because they have to protect the back line, win the ball back, but then also, you know, they have to transition you guys up into yes. the attacking part of play. So that, I, I mean, the big question marks, of course, were Alex Coyle at the front and Claire Howard leaving at the back. But yeah. that that position is so important. And yes. you, like you said, you lost Avery Adams there too. So yeah. Um, that's good to good to see, and then and then at the defense this year. Yeah, the backline's been. I mean, Caitlin Rogers came back from a broken leg from a year ago, and she was defensive MVP of the conference in 2019, and she's playing like that again. So that's amazing. Molly Query, Ali Larson, all played together last year. So backline pretty much came back in full force, and behind them you got Ali Henriksen, who's unbelievable. Charlie Boone, who transferred to us from Gonzaga, who's unbelievable. The most depth on the team, quality depth, is the back line, where I sit there and I'm like, some games I don't know who to start, and I don't know when to sub. They were all just good. They all can play every minute of the game. What's what's your take on transfers? And, of course, with the transfer portal now, everybody gets asked about this, but yeah. um, is that something? Is, is that a, a class of player that you relied on in the past? I mean, just what's, what's your philosophy there? Um, it, my philosophy has to change because I never really dug into it too much. But, and the, the question on every transfer is why are you transferring, right? Sure. What happened? Because <laughs> if you're in there, something's going on. And so is it positive? Is it negative? I don't know. Um, so I, I need to do a good job doing my digging up front to see exactly the person that we're getting because we're a person-oriented program. Um, so, no, transfer portal is something I need to dig into even more and start pulling more players out of because I think it leads to, to be honest, quicker success. Look at LSU. LSU have struggled last year and just raided the transfer portal, and this year are one of the top teams in the country. So it works. Well, and you guys at, at, at this point, I mean, have the prestige to go in there and, and you know, talk to players who have played at Power 5 programs or, like you said, exactly. at Gonzaga or something like that because you can offer the, the winning, right, is yes. the big thing. Yeah, that's what Molly Query was. She was at Nebraska not getting playing time in a good, in a good big-time program, and now she's here starting every single game. And that looks better for her to get back on the Canadian Youth National Team setup. It looks good to play games and play well. Of and course. you get to do that with me and win titles. Or you can maybe over time do that at Nebraska. Why stay there? Just come here. So she was, she, where is she from in Canada? Uh, Bowen Island, which is close to Vancouver. And she played in Vancouver Whitecaps setup and then played with the Canadian U20s. 
right before COVID, went to Nebraska and transferred from Nebraska to us. That's a that's a journey, man. Yeah, from from Vancouver to Lincoln to Missoula. Yeah, right? That's awesome. Lincoln yeah, to Missoula, very different places. <laughs> right. Definitely. Um, and then, of course, you know, we can't say enough about Claire Howard. She's one of the yeah. one of the coolest athletes to watch, I think, in the big sky yeah. in the last four or five years. And like people don't know about her because she didn't play football or basketball. Yeah. But just the things that she were doing, she was doing were incredible. So that was that was another hole you had to fill this year yeah. uh, at goalkeeper. You're starting. Yeah, it seems like you settled on a starter now. We have, yeah. Uh, we, we've kind of been forced into it due to a injury because, um, yeah, we ended up having an injury with Elizabeth. So it was split between Elizabeth Todd and Cam. And who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's going to be? And then it just fell into Cam's lap, to be honest. Camellia Zhu. Yeah. And Cam is from the same program as Molly Query in Canada. I mean, this kid's a stud. She was committed somewhere else. And due to some academic financial reasons, went back into the recruiting search, somehow ended up with us. And... I'm thrilled because she is very good. Claire was a beast, and Cam's got huge shoes to fill. So <laughs> she feels that pressure every single day, but she's doing pretty well with it now. And I know Claire looks after her, too, still from a distance, so that definitely helps. What's the biggest thing for for her? Because, I mean, of course, Claire Howard was just a, a, an unreal shot stopper. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she had the leadership of the back line, and sometimes that's something that takes a while to develop where you're communicating and you have to be you have to be screaming at your defenders yes. constantly. And sometimes that can be tough for a kid yeah. coming into a program who's who's younger and you're 18 yes. or whatever, screaming at senior defenders. Yes. How has she done yeah. with that? <clears throat> that's that's you, you nailed it again. That's exactly the biggest thing for the goalkeeper is. You stop goals happening through your communication. You didn't even have to make a save because you've communicated so well for us. And that has been the hardest thing for Cam. Tay and I meeting in preseason with Tay's like, my whole career I've had Claire behind me. Now I'm this COVID senior coming back and Raj and Larson and Query, we're all used to Claire's voice. What do we do, NZ? You're like, well, what do we do without her? What's it gonna be like? I'm like, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> And we'll see who takes the spot. And Todd was doing better probably on the communication, but Cam now being thrust into the spotlight has done very well and is only getting better every single game. And But let's remember, she's young. The comparisons of freshman Cam to senior Claire are not fair in my opinion. It should be, let's remember freshman Claire and compare it to freshman Cam because that's more realistic. And I have to remind Cam of that all the time. If don't compare yourself to who Claire was as a senior because that's, that's a woman against a girl. It's not fair. Right. Talking here with head coach Chris Chitovitsky of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team. If, if you don't know about this team, go out to South Campus Stadium and watch them. This is, I, I've said this to a lot of people, um, more people need to know about this team because they're, they're really good. They're competing for Big Sky Conference titles every year. And just in the little bit that I've seen, they play really pretty soccer, and it's yeah. just it's fun to watch. Um, so get out there to South Campus Stadium, Chris. Before I get you out of here, I mean, just what would be your pitch for for this team this year to get to get people to watch, to yeah. get people to come out? Okay, I haven't shared this with anybody publicly, but I'll share it now. Might as well, right? Um, our sure. goal over the next three years is to become the people's team of Missoula. That's what I want. There is an underground soccer culture in this community 
that is not being taken advantage of. When I talked to Betsy Dirksen, when she was the coach back in the 90s, she was like, we had that underground culture, we connected into it, and that's how we pulled in big crowds. I wanna do the same thing. If you drive by the fields on a Friday, you see the adult leagues, you see the people that are here. There is that Seattle, Portland culture of people who wanna go to games and love watching soccer, and I want that. I get that Grizz football has the state, men's basketball has the state, Lady Grizz has the state. I don't know if anybody's truly captured Missoula because Missoula is a unique group of people and I want to be Missoula's team. That's what that's our goal. And how do we integrate ourselves into that? So you guys will start seeing different things that we do over the next three years. We have a plan. But within three years time, we want that stadium packed out because when you think of Missoula, you think of Grizz soccer. That's interesting. That's that's so cool. I mean, that's what you guys should be doing. Um, Best of luck to you. you. What do you have coming up this week? You've got. Long One more Beach. week of non-conference before yes. before Big Sky Conference play starts? Yes. Yeah, we play Long Beach uh, at their place, and they're very good programs. That's a good final test. On a Thursday night in front of a massive crowd, they average from 1,000 to 2,000 for their home games on opening night, so that'll be a tough one. And NAU is our opening game. NAU got picked first in the conference. We got picked second, so let's have the heavyweight slug it out on night one. And you guys are, are you guys still doing the divisions this year no, from the from no. the COVID season? We're, we're just one giant conference. So we're at NAU, then Southern Utah, then we come home for, to be honest, I cannot remember because my brain isn't that far ahead yet. <laughs> awesome. Well, head coach Chris Chitovitsky of Grizz Soccer. Um, coach, great talking with you. We'll, we'll have you back in here on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. Love it. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much.